يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala A blessed praise We send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam upon his blessed family his companions and those who follow them until the end of time One of the important components of the Prophet's teaching Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is critical thinking. Uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala sends in the Qur'an, in numerous places sent in the Qur'an, the verse, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ Right? So that you can think, you can invest yourself deeply. In fact, when Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala talks about pondering on the heavens and the earth, He uses a form which is very powerful. He says, يَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقَتَ هَذَا بَاطِلَا سُبْحَانَكَ فَقِينَ عَذَابَ النَّارِ It's very powerful. It says those who think in the word used in Arabic means to submerge. Fi. Fi means ظَرْفِيَةً So I say like Imam Khalid fil Masjid. Right? Imam Khalid is actually physically in the Masjid. So here it uses it as a symbol of deep cognition and critical thinking. When it says يَتَفَكَّرُونَ They employ their thinking. Submerging those, those thoughts, submerging what they're thinking about into the object of their thinking. So it's not just a surface or shallow glance at the creations of the heavens and the earth, but they've invested themselves in the heavens and the earth. The Prophet on numerous occasions, he encouraged his community, his followers, not simply to be yes people, not simply to tell him everything that he did was perfect, even though he's perfect, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So we find the narration in Sahih al-Bukhari with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He says to his companions that there is a tree, and this tree is like a believer, فَحَدِّثُونِي So then he encourages me, share with me, engage me, conversate with me. What do you think that tree is? Even though the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he already knows what type of tree it is, this tree that's like a believer. He wants to encourage critical thinking amongst his community, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they begin to debate and 
Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhuma, he said, you know, I knew the answer, فَاسْتَحْيَيْتُ But I was shy because of my age. I was shy because there were such luminaries around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that I, I, I didn't say anything. And then the Prophet, after people failed to generate an answer, he said to them, you know, it's a date tree. As Ibn Hajr said, the believer is like a date tree because a date tree benefits in all seasons. Believer benefits in all seasons. The date tree can be used for anything. The believer's life is a infinite capital that can be used for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then of course we see Abdullah bin Umar says to his father as they walk away, you know, I knew, I knew it was a date tree. And here also again the encouragement for critical thinking amongst young people. Sayyidina Amr ibn Khattab, he said to his son, if you would have said the right answer, it would have been more beloved to me than anything on the face of the earth. So here we see a, an example of the Prophet being a catalyst for critical thinking, the believers, the Muslims in his community feeling that they could engage in critical thinking, and then a father concerned with generational spirituality encouraged his son also to be a critical thinker. Sayyidah Hafsa radiallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet and the daughter of Sayyidah Umar. On numerous occasions, the Prophet would say things to her and she would say, is it from you or from God? She's a critical thinker. And the Prophet said, no, this one is from me. She's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> but the Prophet he didn't scold her for being a critical thinker. In fact, the Prophet even encouraged us at times to make mistakes that are inadvertent but are well intended. There's a conscientious evil and there's an ignorant mistake. Those are two different issues. So the Prophet said, إِذَا الْحَكَمَ الْقَادِ الْحَكِمِ If the judge comes to a conclusion and he or she is right, فَلَهُ أَجْرًا They have two rewards. And if the judge, he or she is wrong, فَلَهُ أَجْرًا He has one reward, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And such is the tradition of critical thinking in our tradition. That we have an axiom in Islamic law, لِكُلِّ مُجْتَهِدٍ مُصِيمٍ That every qualified scholar who tries his or her best to come to a conclusion on a religious matter. And they have used all of their, exercised all of their mental capabilities. Even if they're wrong, we still say they are rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's raining today. And as we mentioned, critical thought should cause us just to move beyond the fact that it is really uncomfortable outside. It's cold, it's wet, it was 70 degrees a few days ago. But the Prophet wasallam he, he warned us not to curse the weather. Not to speak ill of the weather. And in the Qur'an there's a number, if we can scoot forward inshallah brothers, in the Qur'an there's a number of lessons we can take as critical thinkers from the rain. And we'll talk about that briefly in the first khutbah. Number one is that the rain reminds us of the hereafter. And that's why in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Qaf, uh, very beautifully, that this is the way to Rja'un. Like this is the way to Ba'athun. Just as the rain came to the earth that was barren and dead, it came to the earth, it brought it to life, and then it, it went away. Such is your life. So one of the things that the, remain, the, the rain reminds us of is to prepare for death and to think about what we're really sending forward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
What's going to grow from the soil of our hereafter? As Imam Ibn Jawzi said, إِنَّ الدُّنْيَا مَزْرَعَةُ الْأَخِرَةِ Imam Ibn Jawzi said that this life is nothing but like your garden, what you're working for to harvest in the hereafter. And just as we see things nice and wonderful, the next day is completely gone. SubhanAllah, هَلْ أَتَعَلَ الْإِنسَانِ There's going to come a time, لَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْئًا مَذْكُورًا We'll work for God, inshaAllah, unless we leave something great. And there was a time where we weren't mentioned. So the rain reminds us of the hereafter. كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَكُمْتُمْ أَمْوَاتًا فَأَحْيَاكُمْ ثُمَّ يُمِيتُكُمْ ثُمَّ يُحْيِيكُمْ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ So the cycle of rain that brings the earth to life and then it goes is always reminding us of our life. إِنَّكَ كَالِهُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ كَالِهَانَ فَمُلَاقِي You are headed back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And let us just take a quick moment and look at the baggage that we're bringing on the flight for the hereafter. Have we exceeded the sin limit? Would I be able to put my sins in the overhead? Am I going to have to pay an extra fee? Can I capitalize on my sky miles? Or do I need to start like limiting what I'm trying to travel with? One of my teachers used to say to me, if you truly believe that you're going back to Allah. As the Quran mentions, then the best baggage to prepare is taqwa. So the rain reminds us like of the cycles of life, the cycles of the environment, and also the cycles that we go through in meeting Allah. The second lesson that we take from rain is the importance of youth. And now, mashallah, we see in this country young people organizing around gun control. Millennials, Muslim millennials becoming members of city councils across the country, participating in the political process, people leading incredible efforts to defend the undocumented, the dreamers, you name it. You find young Muslims, mashallah, doing incredible things. We saw one of our local sisters, you know, step away from the opportunity to capitalize, working with, I believe, Revelon. When she became aware that it was going to violate the sanctity and value of our Palestinian brothers and sisters. Like, those kind of leadership moments are being engaged by our young people. And our beloved Messenger Muhammad said, Nasrani al-Shabaab. He said, alayhi salatu salam I was helped by young people. And the Prophet said, Sab'ah, seven, yudhilluhum Allah ta'ala fi dhilli, yawma la dhilla illa dhillu. Seven people will be under the shade of Allah. When there's no shade except his shade, meaning in the hereafter. And one of them, Ashab Nashafi Ibadati Rabbi, is the young person like who, who used and and directed their vigor and their youth towards something good, toward the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know that young people do incredible things that have powerful systemic implications. So the idea of murder, Right, murder was started by a young person. At the same time, incredible feats were accomplished by young people. So we see, for example, the great writer Sayyid Sabiq, who wrote this incredible book, Fiqh Sunnah. He wrote this book when he was 17 years old, subhanAllah. We see also the one who will kill Dajjal, the Antichrist, is a teenager, is a young person. I see some older folks like zoning out right now. But I just want to remind you that a young person, according to the minority, is till 60 years old. 
The majority said 40. We'll go with 60. But what does it have to do with rain? If you go to Surah Al-Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اِعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا الْحَيَةُ الدُّنْيَا لَعِبٌ وَلَهُمْ وَزِينَةٌ أَنَّمَا الْحَيَةُ الدُّنْيَا لَعِبٌ وَزِينَةٌ وَتَفَاخِرٌ بَيْنَكُمْ Allah mentions that the purpose of this life for people who have no purpose is not for people that have a purpose, but for people who are not driving, living a purpose-driven life. is play and jest and conspicuous consumption and the acquisition of goods and materialism and narcissism. Then Allah said, the life of this world is like rain that falls and brings about growth. Then after a while, you know, it turns green and robust. And then it becomes yellow and begins to wither away and die. And the verse continues and said, and suddenly it switches. Instead of talking about growth and plants and rain and the soil, it says, in the hereafter, either is going to be forgiveness or punishment. To remind us that this rain and what's coming out of the ground is an analogy for how we're living our life and investing in living a life of purpose. But here's the point about being young. Imam Al-Qutubi, the great, great scholar who his 14-volume tafsir actually is the summary of an 80-volume tafsir which is lost by Al-Qadi Abu Bakr ibn Arabi and Wal al-Fajr. Imagine, 80 volumes lost in Spain. And Imam Al-Qutubi said that the greenery, that lush part of the verse when it says, what comes from the earth is lush and green, means your youth. When you use that opportunity as a young person to take advantage of having the energy, to take the advantage of having that strong, straightened out skin, to take advantage of when you have that energy to do things that other people can't do, the investment of being young. The last lesson uh, that we'll take, inshallah ta'ala, is to have a relationship with revelation. Each and every one of us should have an intimate relationship with Qur'an. Unfortunately, the constructions around the Qur'an in our community tend to create problems for us. We may be intimidated by the Qur'an. We may have bad experiences. Imam Khalid has shared with me people that have unfortunately even had bad experiences while learning the Qur'an. I remember once I was in a Muslim country, I didn't know about these things, and I was reviewing, I had memorized the Qur'an, so I was reviewing the part of the Qur'an that has Yaseen. And I was wearing like a thobe, like thobe Sudani, you know, like a long white thobe. And I was sitting in front of these people's house reading Yaseen, and then their phone started ringing. And the, 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 the brother who I was staying with, he came out, he's like, man, can you please like not read Qur'an in front of our house, man? And I was like, why? He's like, because people think someone died. <laughs> There's been a massive catastrophe. <laughs> And I was like, why? He's like, well, why else would someone read the Qur'an? SubhanAllah. I said, of course, like at moments of tragedy and trauma, we want to have a relationship with Qur'an. But also Allah says, Allah says, rejoice and be happy with Qur'an. Right? Celebrate. So we should see the Qur'an as a key that is there to potentially open up any of the shackles and locks in our lives. And that's our responsibility. And that's why the same word for rain is used for the Qur'an, the same verb, anzala, nazzala, 
We sent down rain. We sent down the Quran. We sent down rain. Because just as rain brings life to a parched land, the Quran brings life to a parched heart. And just as rain brings hope and blessings, in the most difficult situations, in the face of the most difficult storms, as an analogy, as a metaphor, in face of any of the storms I'm going through, insecurities, concerns about my finances, family troubles, fear of my relationship with Allah, those are powerful tempests, man, they move us. In the face of all that, the Qur'an brings life to the heart and resuscitates us. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said about rain, that there are two times you should be making dua, he said, وسلم, and he said the dua is accepted. And this is where we'll finish. <laughs> During the adhan and while it's raining. And the reason is that the adhan, we know shaitan, he leaves. So the heart is free, inshallah, to turn to Allah. And that that dua brings life to the heart. And this is the fourth thing, is dua. And also rain, it brings life to a dead man. So we mentioned four things, four lessons we can take from the rain. Being critical thinkers, right? I'm sure there's many more, mashallah. We said one is, it reminds us of death. Two, it reminds us of the utility and the importance of utilizing our youth. Number three, it reminds us of having an intimate relationship with the Quran and Sunnah. And then number four, dua. Dua for the heart and dhikr for the heart is like rain to the earth. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you have the ilayna kitabah. كما نسأله أن يجمعنا مع حبيبنا كما آمنا به ولم نراه صلى الله عليه وسلم أقول قول هذا أستغفر الله لي ولكم فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد السيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك عليه في الأولين وفي الآخرين وفي الملك الأعلى يا رب العالمين. One of the goals of Islamophobia, which is not just a goal, we would be naive to think that the objectives of Islamophobia is to only infect the Muslim, the non-Muslim. But its grander goal at a larger scheme is to infect the Muslim community. I remember when I was in a Muslim country in Southeast Asia a few years ago, you know, we found books that were being distributed free, written by people like Robert Spencer, Ayan Khrisiadi, and just passed out to people. And one of the fundamental principles out of the eight foundational principles of Islamophobia is to impart into the hearts of Muslims and non-Muslims that Islam has no, no, no benefit in the, the sphere of current events and current issues. Islam is antiquated, outdated. Right? To be Muslim is synonymous with being backwards. And maybe some of us, because of our exposure, certain people, um, religious and non-religious, as Imam al-Ghazali, the sheikh from 20 years ago said, the greatest cause of kufr is religious people. Maybe we, we've bought into that. But we know that over the last few weeks, and even today now in central Michigan, uh, 
People have been killed mercilessly. High school students were slaughtered in Florida. We pray for them. We pray for their families. And in places like the occupied territories where citizens are allowed for as long as they're not Palestinian to be carrying like massive firearms, assault rifles, weapons that are used to kill hundreds of people. And here in this country, the concern for gun control. What would classic Islam say on this issue? I'm just going to give you something to think about to show you that the notions of Islamophobes tend to be somewhat skewed and off because, again, they've commodified hatred. But if you go, to, for example, to the Muhtasar of Sidi Khalid in the Maliki school, you'll find a chapter on weapons, Al Asliha. And you'll find, especially it's interesting under the chapter of buying and selling, like when's it not allowed to sell weapons? So they'll say, for example, in times of a civil war, it's not allowed to sell weapons. In the face of certain harm, it's not allowed to sell weapons. That's why the Prophet وسلم, in Medina, he ordered the companions to make sure your swords, and this was for men and women, by the way, to keep your swords holstered, don't have them loose, because you may inadvertently harm someone. So there's a, a very profound principle that comes from this called subdudara'iya, at-tahrim mu'aqat. Right, where something permissible in Sharia can become forbidden if it's leading to a greater harm. So it's very interesting to note that someone like Ibn Rushd, who lived hundreds of years ago, has an entire discussion on when and how you can control the use and distribution of weapons. I'm going to leave that to you. Research it. It's interesting. And hopefully a number of you, because you're very brilliant, much more brilliant than I am, can pop out some op-eds, can get out there on some podcasts, and hold these people feet to the fire who say that Islam has nothing to offer in the contemporary setting. The last point that we want to make is that every prophet basically was a refugee or an immigrant. Satan Adam is the first immigrant. <laughs> he was undocumented in dunya. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> he was forced out of paradise into another place, he and his wife. Sayyidina Ibrahim has to leave Iraq and go to Egypt, and from Egypt he has to go to Paran in, in the Bible, which is Hijaz, which is Mecca. Sayyidina Yusuf is not only part of the industrial complex, prison industrial complex, but also he's forced to become an undocumented immigrant. You look at most of the prophets, we are a community who celebrates Hijrah. We are a community that has the name of the greatest people around the Prophet is what? Al-Muhajirun. Those who migrated. So it is from the spirit of a prophetic community. A community that is not simply a special interest group in America. Muslims are not a special interest group. We are a faith generated body that believes in the general good of society that we live in. And now we're seeing the failure to react to our brothers and sisters, the young, undocumented brothers and sisters known as dreamers. It is a religious responsibility. It's a fault of for us to stand together and help these people. I've experienced this firsthand in the 90s when I was in college. SubhanAllah, sorry I said that. But a few years ago, Comma. When I was in college, 
very, very dear sister, brilliant sister at UCLA, uh, one of the most brilliant women I've ever been around in my life. You know, we were all getting married, or everyone's trying to get married, because that's basically what you do in college, <laughs> and, and find good food. And, you know, we found her a really nice brother that we thought, he was our friend, she was our friend, hey, this can work. And then she pulled me to the side and said, like, I'm undocumented, man. Like, I'm not in a situation where I can get married. I've had students that memorize the Qur'an with me who were crying as they were memorizing the Qur'an. And I was like, you know, you're not reading verses about, like, to touch the heart. You're like, reading verses about, like, zakat, man. <laughs> and then the brother told me, he's like, I'm undocumented. One of the goals of Islam is to remove psychological terror from the hearts of people and from the minds of people. Trauma. That's why Al-Akhdari Al-Maliki says, It's not allowed to scare people. It's not allowed to, to khawif in nas to create a sense of terror in people at a broad level. And that's why Shaitan says, Allah says about Shaitan, Shaitan Shaitan tries to create a sense of trauma and terror in the hearts of people. <coughs> so we believe as a community, our job is to placate and create a sense of ease in the hearts of people. Unless, of course, something egregious. With that in mind, on May, on March 5th, this Monday, myself, Linda Sarsour, uh, Imam Khaled, if you can, a number of national leaders, Imam Zaid Shakir, are going to go for an organized effort around supporting the Dreamers in Washington, D.C. And a number of students here are also going to be with Empower, which is going to be outside signing people up who want to go on buses. We plan to go there and make sure as a faith-based community, we're looking after those who are most vulnerable and asking our government to decide their case in a way which is positive for those people. Our prophets were all refugees, most of them, or immigrants. So we are, as a prophetic community, endowed to look after the undocumented. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you, inshaAllah. Ask Allah to make the rain a reminder for us to purify our lives and to cultivate the best that we have to offer. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring peace to Syria. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect the people of Syria. We ask Allah to bring them justice and tranquility, development, honor and dignity. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Pakistan and in India and in Somalia and Africa and Malaysia and Bosnia, all over the world. We pray for our brothers and sisters here in America as well as our fellow citizens that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help us wither the storm that we're all going through. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to improve our iman for the coming week. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us improve our worship in the coming week. Amen. Ask Allah to help us solve any of the crises and problems that may be creating a sense of imbalance in our life to give us hikmah, to give us basira, and to give us khutuhat. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us of our sins. We ask Allah to bless our relationship with our parents, with our spouses, with our children. Amen. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our parents and to cure them, those who are sick. We pray for the father of our brother Imam Khalid. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him a complete shifa and make all of these challenges a means of kafara. We pray for all of you whose parents, grandparents, or siblings may be suffering with any illness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to 
to accept our actions, to accept our deeds, and to forgive us, Ya Rabbana. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. Wassalamu ala Muslim. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen.